for the Israelis are coming to keep the state as it is, because it's a Jewish state, it's their state, not to allow the new elites to change it. They are very militarized demonstration. The military voice, the security voice is very high. They are totally Israeli, they have very strong Israeli identity, which is very deep Zionist identity. From Ashabaka, the Palestinian Policy Network, I am Yara Hawari, and this is Rethinking Palestine. Since the beginning of 2023, Israelis have been hitting the streets in their hundreds of thousands to protest Netanyahu's government plans for judicial reform. The plans are seen by many Israelis as an attempt by the Prime Minister who's being prosecuted on corruption charges, to rein in the judiciary and give the Knesset, the Israeli parliament, the power to override Supreme Court decisions. The demonstrations have been dubbed the pro-democracy protests by much of the Western media because protesters claim to be standing up in defence of Israel's democracy. This narrative completely ignores the fact that the Israeli regime rules over millions of Palestinians who have no say whatsoever in who governs them, and that democracy in a settler colonial apartheid context can be nothing more than a facade. Joining us to discuss this in this episode is Amir Mahoul, former director of the Haifa-based Ittijah, the Union of Arab Community-Based Associations, political commentator and member of the Shabake. Thank you for joining us. So Amir, can you tell me a bit more about these proposed judicial reforms and why so many Israelis are unhappy with them? Yeah, on its face, on the surface, it sounds like um, changes in the judicial aspects in terms of the who ruled the government or the Supreme Court and if the government is accountable to the Supreme Court. Does the Knesset is accounted to the Supreme Court? This is one of the main aspects. And the other one is to change and to politicize the judge appointment committee, which is uh, to make it more political uh, and to give more power to the political parties, especially to the coalition, and less power to the Supreme Judge. But I think there is a different agenda behind that because it's not the goal by itself. It's, uh, it's to change the platform, the Israeli platform, in order to make another political enterprises which are on the mind of Netanyahu, on the mind of the right wing, and on the right of the Zionist religious parties, which are not so busy with the judicial uh, aspects of Israel. They are uh, very busy in different matters of uh, what to do with the Palestinians in, in whole Palestine, where is uh, no, no green line in their eyes, but there is one line that it's one state, uh, the, the land of Israel, under uh, definition. So I think it's a real discussion uh, or debate in Israeli political sphere. It looks like the whole Israeli system is in crisis that began with the crisis of who will lead the government or share the government, but now it's more crisis of, um, about the definition of Israel by its, its own self without the Palestinian issue. But it's also the struggle or the fight between two elites who have grown after the war of 1967 and the, the elites who, who established the state in 1948 uh, with the Nakba. So they are very different elites, in fact. It became like a big 
tries of Israel. I think it has began not because of the judicial system, it began because of the difficulty of the state to rule itself and to keep silent the whole cleavages and internal fights of identity, of elites, of, of power, who will control Israel, who will control the economy, who will control the army. Everything became like pushed there and they became part of this crisis, which have no exit, no relief that could be seen in, in the near future, at least. It looks like going to be a long-term crisis and internal Israeli confrontations between powers, not uh, only political parties, it's more like who will lead this state. So Israel is became weaker strategically, but it's more tough internally. Maybe it will be different after the coming months or years, but things are not going to be as they used to be until November 1922. So this is obviously a tension that has been rising uh, for a long time between different um political actors and different uh, political ideologies within um, within Israel. And it seems like the judicial reforms were really um, just sort of the catalyst for these protests. But I wanted to ask, who specifically is attending these protests? What kind of Israelis are we seeing on the streets? In fact, formally, there are over 100 groups who are taking part in the protest movement. It's not the one group. And it's not only the political opposition, it's much more wider. It's like a mixture of political parties, of political powers, of economical powers, of the high-tech industry, of the security system, of Shabak, of Mossad, of the army and the police, which are all involved in such tension. And also we can see that uh, there are civil society organizations, Zionist civil society organizations. We can see that it's uh, very uh, wider politically, like uh, in one side uh, there is uh, Meretz or uh, as Zionist parties, and in the other side there is Yoaz Hindel from the Satter's uh, background. He used to be a minister in the last government, in the previous government. So it's, it's very wide, and there are uh, Likud supporters also. In fact, it's very wide participation. The masses are from all the political approaches. And also, there are powers that are feeding such a movement to be sustained. We talk internally the high-tech industry, for example, which they feel that they are very threatened by the new judicial changes. And the some kind of consensus between the former head of staff and the chiefs of the Mossad, Shabak, which are part of the movement. Mostly are uh, many soldiers in, in reserve. In general, it's mostly Ashkenaz more than uh, we can see that there is a lack of Oriental Jews, of uh, Moroccan or uh, Jews from Arab countries. But it's very strong movement. It's difficult to put leader on it. Lapid is not the leader of that at all. And maybe Gans is, became more in power because of his army and uh, military background. But these groups represent wider and scope of political and uh, approaches. So we can find the left wing in one side and the other wings. But uh, we can see only one flag, which is flag of Israel, which be reclaimed by the uh, 
not by the ultra-right uh, groups, but the first time it had been reclaimed by the liberal Zionist uh, groups as their flag. Sometimes we can find, uh, we see okay, Naftali Binet is, is opposing the government on their position, but he is not opposing them in the other side of the activity. So I think it's it's very strong movement. Of course, Palestinians are not there. And the anti-Zionist group or anti-occupation, they are also there, but they are by themselves as they try to have entity of a group that uh, it's called against occupation. It exists, but it's uh, not the masses, in fact. The masses are the Zionist-centered liberal Israeli groups. So we can't quite call these protests grassroots because we're seeing these big political institutional figures like Gantz, like Lapid, like even Zippy Livni, um, the, the tech industries, um, army reservists, all of these uh, groups and actors are taking part. And am I right in thinking that, that these groups and actors are also funding these protests? So this is coming uh, from the heart of uh, Israel's political institution. Look, it's very difficult in general to define what's the Israeli civil society or a grassroots organizations. It's, it's not so easy because it's very politicized in general. So many groups and powers are taking part of that. It's not internal Israeli matter in this regard. But I can see there are some uh, grassroots organizations, but they are not higher the voice of the protest. It's, uh, it's not like people who are opposing the state who are protest against the state. There are people who are coming to the streets in order to protect the state, which is different from the definition of grassroots in general, because grassroots is to escape the, the scope of activity of the civil society or the society itself, not the, to improve the state itself. So it's different definitions here. But I think there are some groups in, in any case which are uh, part of that. Like if I take the supporters of merits, there are many grassroots organizations who are with merits political agenda. And they are behaving as grassroots or uh, civil society organizations. But it's uh, motivated by powers, not by uh, spontaneous demonstrations. It's not, it's, nothing is spontaneous here. It's very politicized. It's very uh, strong in one side. And it's massive, but it's not the grassroots. And this is a very important point that you mentioned, that these protests are about protecting the state of Israel and about saving um, the state of Israel as a Zionist state. And this sort of leads me on to my next question. Some commentators have compared these protests to the Arab Spring and have even gone so far as to use the word intifada, the Palestinian word for uprising. Aside from noting that this is an incredibly offensive comparison, how would you explain that these protests are far, so far removed from the revolutionary moments we witnessed in the Arab world over a decade ago and from the Palestinian intifadas? It's totally not intifada. Intifada is a movement, a massive people who, it's part of national liberation movement. It's part of people, voice and act, in order to be liberated from occupation. Totally not the same. It couldn't be the same. In fact, it's insulting in somehow the Palestinians to call that intifada. And it's very different from the Arab trend because in the Arab countries, people moved in order to change the regimes, in order to change their states, the, the ruling state. 
in order to fight the so-called the deep state, which controlled their life, their everything, their rights, their uh, freedoms, their future. For the Israelis are coming exactly to do the opposite, to keep the state as it is, because it's a Jewish state, it's their state, and uh, not to allow the new elites to change it. Even if it looks like similar on its face, but it's not similar in the essence of that. It's totally different. In the other aspect of the Israeli demonstrations, they are very militarized demonstrations. The military voice, the security voice is very high. People are saying that we are going to the army, we are protecting the Israel, we are protecting all citizens. So we don't agree that we will be led by ministers who are not serving in the army, like Ben Gvir and Smotrich. They are totally Israeli. They have very strong Israeli citizen identity, which is very deep Zionist identity that we have to protect our state, to defend it, in order to be able to overcome all of our enemies. This is the, the language and the debate. Nobody is speaking about occupation, nobody is speaking about to change the regime, nobody is speaking about to make it a state of all citizens, not only for Jews. This, the opposition of the Netanyahu, are in line with Netanyahu in supporting the Jewish state. All of them support during the law of um, confiscate or to the citizenship of Palestinians. So it's, it's not a matter that Anybody wants to change the nature of the state, they want to keep the nature of the state. So this is uh, the real agenda of the opposition. The real agenda of the coalition is also different. It's not, nobody is busy with the, in fact, with the judicial. In fact, the real agenda is more important than the agenda that we can see from the media. The real agenda of, um, of the Smotrich is the annexation of the West Bank, is to legalize the spots of settlements and to legalize the tourist groups in the West Bank. And the, the other side of, uh, of, the, of the agenda is what Benikvir is looking for. He is looking for ethnic cleansing of Palestinians inside the Green Line. And both, like, they are working in very complementary uh, levels. I think Smotrich is much more dangerous, in fact, because he's thinking strategically. But uh, they are the only ministers who are dealing with the Palestinian cause today, and they are very dangerous about the Palestinian cause. So the, the agenda for Netanyahu is to feel free and not to go to prison. So it's, it's not agenda of even statehood agenda, very sectorial agenda of, of each part of the coalition. During uh, decades, the army of Israel was used to be the, the major structure not only for uh, war and defense and their uh, language and uh, occupation, etc. It was the social or socialization uh, system of the Israelis and recreation of the Israelis as they are today. But uh, now it, it looks that it will never be like how it was till three months ago. I think it will be more like uh, private arms and it's, it looks like more professional, less massive and this uh, popular. So this uh, aspect is, will lead the ideas of fascism and will make also the Israeli tensions, internal tensions, to be internal, internal fights. No system could uh, like moderate such tension in the future.
If you're enjoying this podcast, please visit our website, al-shabaka.org, where you will find more Palestinian policy analysis and where you can join our mailing list and donate to support our work. Amir, there's been a lot of Israeli commentary about the fact that Palestinian citizens of Israel are not attending these protests. Um, Now, we sort of might take that for granted, but what is your analysis on, on why that is the case? I think it's not a political laziness from the Palestinian citizens of Israel. It's political statement. The Palestinian citizens of Israel are excluded by both powers, by the coalition and by the opposition. The people didn't want the Palestinians to be in his struggle, what he called, or in his political battle. And the, the same with Gans, and the same with the religious parties. They don't want to be partners of the Arabs from both essential point of view and also from tactical point of view that they don't want to give Netanyahu the accusation to, to attack them that they are friends of the Arabs, which is very bad word in Israel. But the Palestinians in Israel, they, they don't feel that they are part of the, such a struggle because for seven decades we speak about the Supreme Court, but it's not the Supreme Court for justice. For Palestinians, it's unjust, in fact. Uh, and not only for Palestinians, for Tehid, for all Palestinians together. People don't feel that they have to, to protect the Supreme Court or the deep state, the deep state for Palestinians, citizens or not citizens in Israel. It's the occupation, it's the state of uh, racism, it's the state of systematic racism, it's the sake of the law of, of the Jewish state and national state, the laws of immigration and the laws of citizenship. Some voices are like we have to distinguish between the worst and the much more worst. But it doesn't make any sense for the people until now. The masses are not going to participate as a political statement. For Palestinians, it's also important to see that the Supreme Court is not the sample or the icon of justice. People are going to the Supreme Court, they have petitions to the Supreme Court, not to seek the justice, it's much more to empower themselves. This is what Alela is doing, this is what the legal organizations are doing. And even if you listen to what the judge Barak debate, that the Supreme Court protected Israel like an army. So we are not in the same place, in fact. They are protecting their system and their mechanisms of ruling, but we are victims of these systems. Like there is a debate between the Palestinians if we have to to demonstrate within our towns and villages. It doesn't make any, any sense for the Israelis. We couldn't influence at this stage. With the current platform of Israel, we can influence not in terms of the resolutions, but we can empower ourselves. I think the uh, rights debate or narrative has made us like feeling much powerful. But not alone, it's with demonstrations, with the popular activity, with the public sphere activity, etc. But it's not by itself. The, the Palestinian Arab members with the Arab parties, they are less influential at all in the Knesset. So people felt that uh, they don't want to see this government to continue because they can see it's very risky government for us. 
and the very risky for Palestinians in general, uh, for us as a people. But we, we shouldn't be part of the Israeli protest. We are excluded from the Israeli political sphere. And there is consensus, Zionist consensus, which is supporting that, of Lapid, of Gans, of uh, Netanyahu, and uh, it's a very strong uh, position. I think our agenda should be how we can protect ourselves these days and how we can prevent real attacks against our basic rights. Like there is an attempt now and a like political enterprise to call the high follow-up committee as illegal, to consider it as illegal, and to prevent political parties from running the Knesset in the future. Or the issue of citizenship, which became not for granted for Palestinians inside Israel. So this could be real agenda. So we have to work much more as Palestinians inside Israel. We have to be in very well coordinated with, with all the Palestinians, especially in the West Bank and Jerusalem. And also to think how we can protect ourselves from policies of ethnic cleansing, like in Naqab, like in the coastal cities, which are under community at risk. The plans are very clear how to use this uh, so-called the National Guard, which is militia of Benigrir, or to use the other militias that have been established de facto in uh, cities of Bir Saba, of Batyam, near Yafa, Yafa, and Dod, in order to oppress the Palestinian citizens. And uh, they are armed and semi-formal, and uh, they are active now. Our agenda is to protect ourselves, and uh, not to protect the state, which doesn't protect us at all. The state doesn't take any responsibility to the Palestinians in terms of, of security, of feeling secured, of feeling protected, etc. And uh, the plans of the state, if I take after uh, May 2021, the, the state decided to establish um, the National Guard. They decided to to use the army within the Palestinian cities and towns inside Israel, and also to give free hands for the so-called the system of organized crime to distract the Palestinian society from within. So we have now, till now, in this year, 45 Palestinian citizens of Israel have been killed by the Palestinian mafia which is backed by the Shabak and by the, the state itself. It has a functional aspect to implement policies and to weakening the Palestinians internally. And Palestinians in Israel today are the most until now organized maybe a group within the Palestinian people. To weakening them is not a goal to, to weakening uh, this group. It's a goal to weaken the whole Palestinian people because we are taking part in to protect Al-Aqsa, to protect Jerusalem, to protest against the, the wall and the occupation in Gaza and West Bank, and to protect Palestinian political prisoners. So these aspects are going to be targeted by the, these uh, policies of the government. Amir, you've made many important points, including that the Israeli Supreme Court has been a key mechanism in oppressing Palestinians across the so-called Green Line and in defending Zionism. So it's understandable that Palestinian citizens of Israel are not joining in in these protests. 
Now, you also mentioned Bengvir's National Guard. And just for a bit of context for the audience, Netanyahu made a concession to delay the judicial reforms, which were seen as a win for many of the protesters. But as part of that concession, he promised Itamar Ben-Gvir, an extremist member of the coalition and minister for national security, a new national guard, which will reportedly be focused solely on policing and oppressing areas in which Palestinian citizens of Israel live, like Lid, Ramle and the Nakab. Many are calling this Ben-Gvir's private militia. Can you tell us a bit more about this? It's also important to see why Netanyahu did that, because this is the real agenda of Ben-Gvir. Ben-Gvir is not busy with the, the judicial system at all. He's not busy with the public opinion of the international community, nothing of that. The same with Smotrich. He came to the government from the last elections under the slogan, who are the owners of this home, homeland. In fact, Netanyahu, when he decided to give him this uh, present in order to keep the coalition, so he got this demand. It's important to see that the National Guard have been decided by the Israeli formal government of um, Bennett and Lapid. It's not Netanyahu's decision. And this was as outcome of the uh, 2021 uh, uprise uh, of the Palestinian community inside Israel, which was at the same time with the Sheikh Jarrah, with the Gaza, and with the, with the whole Palestine. The Israeli evaluations, especially of the army and the Shabak, that they have to, to empower the policing system inside Israel and uh, to empower it in order to deal with the Palestinian citizens of Israel, not with the whole policing system. And uh, the idea was that uh, this guard would be part of the system, of the security system, of the police, Israeli police system, and the uh, borders guard, which is called which is semi-military in between police and the army. This system is working in the West Bank, the same work in the, inside the Green Line. So the idea was to empower the so-called the control system, to empower the oppression system, and to prevent any possibility that Palestinian system officials could make or, uh, a new front, internal front, it was like uh, the first time that it had been announced that the military was used to, to evaluate the events and how to consider the Palestinian Israel as a new front. What Netanyahu did is that he promised and uh, took a decision after that in the government that this uh, National Guard would be accountable to the minister himself, not to the police system. And it's the first time in Israel that the security power will be under the direct control and orders of the minister. So it's, it's clear that the statement behind that is that we will consider Palestinians as enemy, Palestinians as in, and it came like um, that we are under real risk because although the police system is very tough with the Palestinians, it's very violent, not like with the Jewish community, like what's happened with the protesters. But the, the National Guard will be much more tough. It is huge power that Ringville could use whenever he wants, wherever he wants.
Romans. So this is to, to keep Palestinians under state terrorist mechanism. Right now there is big opposition, opposition of the police uh, system, of the Shabak, of the idea of the Israeli army uh, against such a mechanism, not because of the to protect Palestinians, but because it will make the work much more complicated, their work. And there will be duplication of work and duplication of systems and different orders to different groups. So uh, this is why they oppose against to keep the state system and not to protect the victims of such a system. So uh, this guard is supposed to be established with the 2,000 troops and in the future it will be expanded until 10,000. I think if it will be established, any massacre which will be happened to Palestinians and could be happened every day, it's under the responsibility of the state. It's not Benigvir policy, it's state policy. Amir, I want to ask you finally, what do you see happening in the near future with these protests? In fact, it was a very big surprise that they, this protest have been sustained and um, is long-term protest. It doesn't look like it's going to be silent in the near future, and it doesn't look like there will be compromise between the parties. And this looks that Israel is in a very deep crisis. It could be that this crisis will lead to elections, then they will stop, I think. And uh, within their own polls, looks like the Netanyahu will lose the new elections. The same with the Zionist um, uh, religious groups. But Palestinians, as well Arabs in general, shouldn't wait for the Israeli relief that there will be a, a good, like an opportunity. Palestinians should rely on themselves and on themselves in order to, to be liberated from occupation, not from the Israeli internal change. There is no Israeli internal change that could lead for justice for Palestinians. No, 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 no. Even there is a group of anti-occupation uh, within this uh, about 100 groups, and they have some thousands of, uh, of uh, supporters, and uh, they are courageous, in fact. But, uh, but they couldn't, they are not the high voice or the higher voice at all uh, of the demonstrations. Demonstrations are the Israeli mainstream, which is not busy with the Palestinian cause. What could be uh, like not outcome of the, of the protest, but outcome of the Israeli crisis, that the Israelis would uh, see that their um, power and occupation and even to have Benigvir and Smotrich in the government would never keep them protected, would never keep the um, possibility of, of avoiding the Palestinian or bypass Palestinian problem is, is possible. Israel tried to make everything to bypass the Palestinian cause, but the Palestinian cause every day is more exist, in fact, in the Israeli sphere, and it's more uh, on the agenda of the Israelis. Maybe uh, it's uh, contradictions that the uh, Zionist religious groups, both of them, they put the Palestinian problem on the agenda again, while the other, uh, like the government of Lapid and the Bennett in the, in the last years, they tried to, to silence any voice that speak about the Palestinian problem. So the Palestinian could not expect 
or to wait what the Israelis will do and then what we can uh, benefit from. We have to change that. Uh, maybe the balance of power is for the Israelis, but we have very strong points that we have to check and we can influence, uh, not by participating in their demonstrations, but by supporting our real agenda. Amir, I think we'll end it on that note. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Rethinking Palestine. Thank you so much. Rethinking Palestine is brought to you by Ashabaka, the Palestinian Policy Network. Ashabaka is the only global independent Palestinian think tank whose mission is to produce critical policy analysis and collectively imagine a new policy-making paradigm for Palestine and Palestinians worldwide. For more information or to donate to support our work, visit al-shabaka.org. And importantly, don't forget to subscribe to Rethinking Palestine wherever you listen to podcasts.